This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell. Thanks for joining us tonight. Now, this evening, we have a new guest on the show. He's the founder of a recovery home in Southern California, but he himself was also an addict. I mean, this guy has a crazy story of being at the lowest of lows in his life. And then God got a hold of him and radically changed his life around so much to the point where not only he got clean, but he also launched a recovery home to help other people get clean. In fact, tonight's guest is one of the the godliest men that I know. He loves his wife and he loves his kids incredibly well, and he is a fantastic leader. Definitely a leader who is worth following. So tonight, I'm pleased to introduce to you Stephen Ginsberg. Matt, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your affirmation, especially coming from a man like yourself. This isn't a mutual compliment session, but I hold you in such high regard, and we love you and Ashton and your family so much and have so much respect for you, and we miss you. But we're so proud of what you're doing. So just thank you so much for that compliment, first and foremost. It means a lot to me, brother. As we get started here, there's one thing that I want to come out of the bat swinging with. And, and that's uh, one of the things that I first realized about you when I met you a couple of years back. Uh, you, you said something along the lines of, I might tell you I love you too soon, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then you told me that you love me. Explain that a little bit. Why do you tell people I love you so quickly? And they answer your question. I have always been a very, very uh, love-based person, and even as a child, through my own perils and trials and tribulations, I was a kid who had tremendous needs and sought out love and guidance, and I thrived in environments where I had great structure and discipline and attention, and where that carried over into my life and into my walk and into my recovery when Christ came into my heart and I turned my life over to Jesus and I began living my life through and for Christ, that part of my personality was accentuated and magnified. And I lived in so much gratitude. I was just so, I'm so grateful to be alive, even in this moment. Uh, And sure, everyone's grateful to be alive, but I feel that I was spared. You know, I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic and Christ spared me death and spared me from overdosing and allowed me to have my life. So that part of my heart that is love-based, I feel so loved by my Heavenly Father that I want to express the love that's in my heart to others. And there are times where it is early on in a friendship or an acquaintanceship or a conversation or it is with a person who's not necessarily used to nor always comfortable hearing those words or maybe they haven't heard it a lot in their life. And sometimes there's disclaimers. In the case of you and I, there was, and that's fit for us. And sometimes there aren't any, and I just know in my heart that I'm going to say it, and I do. And then more importantly than telling people, I always want people to see my love through my action. That's awesome. Uh, you know what, what you're sharing reminds me of Scripture where it says, we love because God first loved us. Totally. And it's kind of like what you're saying. I mean, you're, you're loving because you've received a lot of love. And, you know, one of the things that really uh, strikes me with you, Stephen, is that when you initially said that, and every time you said that to me since then, there's such a level of genuineness. You know, I think people say things like, hey, love you, bye. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but there's a different 
depth in how you communicate and just more, like I said, it's heartfelt and genuine. So uh, I think that's one of your characteristics of people just really believe you and uh, your words carry a lot of weight with them. And at the same time, you have a great sense of humor and you're fun to joke around with, but you also are believable when you say those words, I love you. It's interpreted, at least on the other side, as though this guy really genuinely cares about me. He's not just saying this. He really does. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. So I know more of your background, but share for the people listening right now, where are you with your career right now as it relates to leadership? What are you up to? You've got some crazy stuff that you're working on. Some a lot, You have a lot of irons in the fire and you always do, but what are you working on right now? I'd say where leadership is concerned, the, the part of my endeavors that call upon that characteristic most are arguably one of the greatest things I was blessed with professionally. There is a six-bed residential treatment medical detox center that we own and operate in Poway, California, and it's called the Restore Detox Centers. And uh, we have immediate medical services on site. It's a home that we own on a mountain in Poway. It's beautiful for people who have drug and alcohol issues who need medical detox and need residential treatment. So one of the greatest areas where my leadership is called upon is in that endeavor. And the sidebar that goes on in my mind immediately as I say that is the most important area of leadership for me above anything else, of course, is at home. And I know that goes without saying for all of us as men who have spiritual head of the household. And in, in a linear aspect where we've looked at it in a professional setting, it's my work at Restore Detox Center that calls upon my greatest ability to lead through Christ. And you mentioned earlier, Stephen, that you are a recovering addict. So how much of this yeah. six-bed facility is a result mm. of where you've come from? Uh, One billion percent of it through Jesus <laughs> keeping me alive and his plan. You know, I start to see more day by day why the Lord saw fit to spare me, or I, as I often quote, save a wretch like me, and what his plan was for me and what the calling was. And it's much different than what I thought. And what I love about Restore is I am able to work face-to-face -face with people who are coming in for treatment, and they're able to meet me, and people there who work with us are sort of like, hey, this is the owner and operator and the CEO of the facility, and he's a recovering addict and alcoholic. And, and I can share with them, and one of the things I love saying to them is, you know, if 10 years ago, if 12 years ago, if 15 years ago, somebody had grabbed me and been like, hey, listen, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to have a six-bed medical detox center with residential treatment, I would have been like, hey, what are you on? And where do mm -hmm. I get some of whatever you're taking? Because that's the furthest thing from what I would ever do. So yeah. it, it is literally through Christ's grace and through my recovery that this work is allowed. The facility's been open for a little bit over three years. Uh, we went in network this year with Blue Cross, which was an absolute honor. So any Blue Cross member can come right to us and without any questions asked, we can treat them as long as we're capable of helping them, not hurting them. That's always the objective. And uh, it's an absolute gift of my recovery, Matt. You know what I love about what, what you said, Stephen, is that you are there meeting with them. And some people might think, well, the founder, the owner of this doesn't get his hands dirty. You know, he, he's... He's intangible. He's not touchable, but it reminds me of how Jesus even touched the leper. You know, the Jesus interacted and, and got dirty, so to speak, with people uh, by, by interacting with them. And while some people might assume that you, in your role, would have other people and staff to do the, the dirty work, you're right there with them. I'm sure that's how part of why you're impactful and effective in what you're, mm -hmm. you're doing. There is nothing special about me that I do that, brother. I really want to say that genuinely. Like, I get so much out of that work. It feeds my sobriety. I get the blessing of doing group at the house once a week with the residents, 
And so I pick a topic, we sit around the table, we do group, and I always thank them at the end from the bottom of my heart for the way they participated in my recovery because that's what keeps me sober. Mm. It's works like that that keep me from the dangers and perils of relapse, which is an absolutely quantifiable death sentence for people like myself. And yeah. so it is just such a blessing and a gift to be able to do that work. Right. And it's kind of like built-in accountability. You know, that's what I hear you saying is that when you're leading these people, even having discussions every week, if you were to go back and relapse, you're, yep. you know, you're, you're doing the opposite of what you're challenging them to do. So by you being in a leadership position, by leading other people, it has a built-in accountability factor where in order to qualify for this, you have to do what you're preaching. 100%. And I am, a, again, you're touching on hot points, so I just want to share with you what's on my heart. You know, I'm someone who did relapse. I had 12 years of sobriety, and mm -hmm. I went back out, and that happens. And I was out there for four years, and it almost cost me my life. So it's also a great opportunity to share with them everything that's necessary, because I don't want them to go through what I went through. You yeah. do not have to go through more than one time around. One time around, it can take. And if you do what you're supposed to do, you will be continuously granted a spiritual remission from this actual ailment. But it, it really takes the steps and the daily work for it to continue and for you to be granted the blessing of a remission. Well, that's awesome. I, I got several more questions. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come right back because I've got more questions for you. Sounds good. You're listening to... Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. All right, so we're back with Stephen Ginsberg, one of my best buddies. Uh, this guy is one of the most compassionate, loving, godly men that I have ever met. We're talking about uh, his six-bed residential facility in Poway, California, that he started as, as a result of Stephen's own past and his history as an addict, as a recovering addict. Uh, you just mentioned a moment ago, Stephen, that you had relapsed after 12 years of sobriety. So a follow-up question to that is, you know, a lot of people that have addictions or dark pasts want to cover that from people, and they don't want anybody to know the real them. But here you are broadcasting on a radio station right now, talking about how you're a recovering addict and how you have built an accountability with this facility that you have. What led to you being so public and so courageous to share your story with other people and not hide it like so many people, but publicly talk about it? I, you know, really, there's something that I love about recovery, which is the gift of desperation. And I was given the gift of desperation when I, I got sober very young. I got sober when I was 19. I was sober for 12 years. I had a terrible, violent relapse. It almost cost me my life. The day that I came back from that relapse, November 12, 2004, I gave my life to Christ. That was my first day of my walk with Jesus. But I called out to him, and I turned my life over to him and put my life in his hands. And I knew in my heart from that day forward, and just like your walk grows as you learn and as you read and as you go to church and you discover these new facets of your life, I knew that there was a purpose behind his place in my life and behind why I was spared. Like, why me? And then what am I going to do with it? And slowly but surely, what I wanted to do is I wanted to help as many people as possible through what I had experienced. And I also wanted to keep as many people as possible from having to go through what I experienced. So I, I have a lot of 
remorse and there's things I regret that have happened, I would not change any of them. But I'm very proud that the Lord, you know, anointed me for this walk and that I am a recovering addict and alcoholic and that, and a child of the highest God. And I'm here to do everything I can within my power through Christ. Everything is through Christ. People will tell me, you're great, or this, or we love you, or the way you speak, or anything. I am an average guy. I serve a great God. And what he has done for me, and the purpose he's given me, I will never be able to do enough to properly show my gratitude for that. As you describe your leadership and how you impact people, I think there's a divide that I want to home in on real quick. There's a lot of people that I think lead people based on prestige or title or you follow after me because I tell you that you're supposed to follow after me. And it, it's almost an entitlement of once people have reached a certain level, they've earned the right to be leaders over people and, it, and almost like a, a dictator. What you're describing, Stephen, is almost the inverse of that. You're serving people. And you're wanting to be selfless. And so what I hear you describing is a selfless type of leadership where it's not about your image. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you don't care what people think about you because you're so adamant about serving other people and making sure that they don't go down the same path or recur to the same path. So talk a little bit about that, of the selfless type of leadership. What brought that on? Is that a matter of following after Jesus and his selfless leadership and his servant leadership? Or is that something else that transpired at some point in your life where you just you truly want to serve people and put their needs and, and where they're at above what your needs might be? That's a great question. I think it's a combination of so many things. And I know much of it is gained from just where I've fallen short, areas where I have where I have failed, where I have fallen short, where I have where I've done things the wrong way, that has been one of my greatest educators. And then there's just a massive laundry list of things and people and circumstances that have helped me understand service. I mean, certainly, of course, when I look at Christ and his works and his path and our Messiah's journey, of course, it's ridiculously inspirational and his grace. That's natural. And then there's sort of pieces of everything. There's things I see with uh, men like yourself, there's things I hone in on and watch like a hawk and soak up with men like a man in common with you and I, which is our pastor, Jason Graves. There are things I've seen with my father as I've watched him build and lead a company. And there's things also where I wanted people to really trust the path I forged. So if I showed them that I would do it, and that I can do it, and I that I hands-on will and want to do it, that it's okay for me. I earn the right to ask them to do it alongside of me. And there's things with language as well that are important to me. I don't like the term like someone works for me. I like someone who works with me. That creates that partnership, and that's what makes things happen, and that creates execution. And by the way, my disclaimer that I have to run through all this, look, I fall short every day. I am a type A plus driver. I make mistakes. I'm volatile. I want results yesterday, but I just, I pray and praise the Lord for my wife, very patient, and praise the Lord for my Heavenly Father, very patient, and then I strive to continue to improve. I mean, look, I'm 50. Like, by the time I'm 90 and in, and in a diaper again, I'll have it all down pat. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. 
but like every day, like a step at a time. And I just like, that's where like a praise the Lord, he's given me this grace. And so it helps me when I fail, I own it and I make amends. And then I try to improve within that moment. And so it's just all those things collectively that keep pouring into that silo that makes me want to lead the best way I can for him, through him, through the Lord. And you mentioned something, Stephen, and I think it's important to realize because I think some listeners might listen to a conversation like this and think, wow, like Stephen, yes, he has a past, but I mean, look where he's at now and look what he's achieving and what he, look what he's doing for the Lord. It almost puts you on a pedestal for what you have achieved, yet you just yeah. said seconds ago that you've, you've screwed up. And I, and I know that relates toward, toward, you know, the addictions that you've gone through, but can you think of even more in the, yeah. the recent months or years, is there some way or a lesson that you've learned in leadership where you did something and you're leading something and you're like, wow, that's not the way to do it. Like, can you think of any, any way that you've messed up in leading people? All the time. I fall short all the time. There, there was a situation last week where someone who works with me, a very delicate situation wasn't handled properly and I raised my voice. I, I outright raised my voice, like literally just blew up. And very, very quickly, because again, part of what's where I have to continue to do my best to do better, Matt, people's lives are at stake with what we do. And so when I am, you're working with an addict or alcoholic who many, many times they don't even want treatment. And it is the most delicate process in the world to get them into treatment. And then if a third party comes in and starts to join the conversation, if something goes awry or they didn't necessarily convey things the way I wanted them conveyed to this individual, my sense of urgency so heightened because I'm, I don't want them to die. Last week, I can remember very specifically and I, a guy that I love and I, I raised my voice and blew up and it was like a split second. And I was like, my gosh, I'm so, I said, whoa, I'm so sorry. I said, please understand, I am so fired up about getting this person in. That had nothing to do with you. That's on me. Again, I don't want my halo to blind anyone. I am a broken man, and I fall short all the time. And I have to continue to grow. Like, Jesus wouldn't have blown up on him, but I did. But that's okay. Like, he forgives me, and I forgive me, and then what can I gain out of it? Keep slowing down, Stephen. The way we get to the objective and the way we achieve the result is and all and the 99 good things, that's fine. That one area where you fell short right there, that's what we've got to focus on because I'll be able to do more the way the Lord wants me to by focusing on that. And you mentioned a second ago, what I love about part of what you just said, Stephen, is that when, when you raised your voice and you blew up, you instantly took ownership and you said, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And you mentioned that that person forgave you, but kind of digging into that a little bit deeper, what is their response? When you blow up and it's somebody that you're over, do you notice how they respond? Are they surprised at, at your taking ownership or is it something they're just accustomed to? How, how do they respond? Here's where I'm fortunate. I work with a lot of people who are also in recovery. Probably not a huge surprise to hear. And a big part of recovery is take self-inventory in real time. And when we're wrong, we promptly admit it. What I'm doing is I'm quoting one of the 12 steps in AATU in a broader stroke because we're going to have all kinds of different people hearing this. And so this person was in recovery as well. So they knew very well what I was doing, that I was taking personal inventory, saw I was wrong and promptly admitted it, and they gave me grace. And by the way, one of the things that I am very aware of and realistic about, and if there's something I can offer to people who are listening, if you fall short, like we all do, like I do, and then you make amends, do not have expectations behind the amends. You might fall short, make amends to someone, and they might tell you like, hey, 
go fly a kite. You're totally inappropriate. Okay, you know, absolutely. Again, I want to say I'm sorry for my part. It's not on them to accept it well and then make us better. We've got to take ownership of where we fell short and continue to grow and look at it and improve. And that's all great advice. And, and as you're talking, Stephen, I'm thinking of, okay, there's, there's people that you work with, but you mentioned earlier in this conversation that your home, your leadership as the head mm-hmm. of your household is the most important. So how does some yeah. of this translate over to your wife, to your kids? I mean, do you have the same philosophy of taking ownership yeah. when you met, mess up in front of your wife or your kids? Big time. That's one of the things that my wife affirms me on is that I know immediately when I'm in that zone or something goes wrong or, and I, I immediately will ask for grace. And, and I, what I try not to do is have it be habitual or repetitive. And again, I continue to work on it. You know, I fall short as a, as a dad and I fall short as a husband. And I praise the Lord that my children, first of all, I'm grateful to the Lord that my children have a sober father. They've mm-hmm. only ever, I've been sober the whole time. My children, we have a 10 year old boy and an eight year old girl. They have only known a sober father. You know, I praise the Lord that my wife has a sober husband. Nicole and I have been married 11 years. You know, I just in November celebrated 15 years clean and sober. She has only mm-hmm. known me in sobriety and in my walk with Jesus. And I'm grateful for all of that. It absolutely permeates in our household. Our, look, it isn't perfect. It's not the Brady Bunch. There's like, we're not running around praying and singing. It's a normal house with kids and love and dishes and and stepping on a Lego and dropping an F-bomb like things happen. It's normal stuff, but but it's a beautiful life, and it's a really love-based household, and it's filled with joy and harmony and accountability, and my children have the blessing of seeing a, a mother and father that adore each other and that are going to be there with and for them and with and for each other. And again, I praise the Lord, Christ is the foundation of our house. So mm-hmm. yes, it carries over home, but yes, I fall short there all the time too. Thank goodness my wife had a massive lapse in judgment and married me. I'm really grateful. She's a, <laughs> you know, Nicole, sharp lady, not the best husband ticker, but I won the lottery, so I'm blessed. And, you know, brother my time and all that good stuff but i mean you did amazing too like you and i are like home run hitters bro not trying to speak <laughs> for you but i mean come on buddy and you know the way christ loved the church that's the way i love my girl my heart's filled with a desire and i promise i'll wrap this up in a second you're hitting a hot button for me with it bringing it home brother i want men to understand and husbands to understand the value in like listening to your wife and loving your wife well and understanding it's not that important to be right. It's super duper important to be happy. Find that peace with one another and show your children they are watching us. So, you know, you you, you hit a threshold with me and it's a huge area for me, but I am just so blessed and I adore my family. You know, our families have hung out with each other and that is so radiant and evident in watching your leadership with your wife and your kids. Uh, and you're right, both your wife, my wife, uh, mm-hmm. we, we have both married a, above oh. our pay grade, so to speak. Oh, here, here, here's what I know about both your wife and my wife is that they would both say the same about you and I, of how mm-hmm. much of a blessing it is that, that we picked our wives. And so I, I love that there's that mutual feeling of, I tell Ashton, we, we, we talk about it all the time of, 
how I'm so blessed and I'm, I'm the lucky one in the relationship. And then she'll be like, no, I'm yeah. the lucky one in the relationship. I really think it, it truly is. I mean, at least for us, it, it truly is. We, we really believe that. I feel unfortunate to be with her, yet I, I know she says she feels the same way. And so uh, I would say the same thing. If, if we were interviewing Nicole, she was on the line right now. I know she would say the same thing about you, Stephen, of how blessed and lucky she is to be with you. And to, to know that you say that about her, I think, creates a beautiful cycle of, of a healthy type of relationship. Neither one of you are perfect, of course. Uh, but, but when you both honor each other and you're both affectionate with each other, as you guys are, you're intentional about your intentionality and and i love that and that's inspiring uh all right so we're going to take a, a, another quick break and then i've got a couple wrap-up questions before we wrap up this show so we'll be right back you're listening to leader worth following with matt mizell right here on vertical radio this is leader worth following with matt mizell right here on vertical radio So again, we are back with Stephen Ginsberg, and he has given us all sorts of great tools as far as leadership, selfless leadership, servant leadership, how to lead our wives and our kids. And so Stephen, again, thank you for spending some time with us today. I got a couple more questions. We only have a few more minutes in, in our time together, but in all the collective things that you've learned throughout the years about leadership, things that you've tried, things that haven't worked, things that have worked. What are some of the things that most resonate with you? If, if people are listening right now saying, I want to become a better leader and I'm willing to try something, but I don't know what to try. What would you tell them? What are some things that you would encourage them to try to become a, a more godly leader or a leader who's worth following? I'd want to really urge them to understand that and to take ownership of the fact that they have got to set the example, that they have got to show everybody who reaches a certain level has the ability to a degree to articulate things. Lead with your actions. Show the people around you your willingness and your wanting to come alongside of them and and be vulnerable and make yourself truly available and show your strength and forge a path that want to follow and that they're proud to follow where they're like, yeah, that's my guy. And I'm not limiting it to male or female, but like that's the one right there. And and we're in good company following that lead and doing likewise and set that culture and be consistent and realize it applies to all things that what you do at work and what you do away from your workplace, that will all resonate and follow you as you as you have this brand. And this brand of leadership in that way, in that capacity, you can't turn it on when you cross the threshold of work and then turn it off the minute you leave and be out there running around swinging from chandeliers and lighting the town on fire. It doesn't add up and it'll come back. And so it's got to be consistent. I would implore as much as I could in the limited time for those things to, to resonate and take hold and to be the foundation you build off of. So I'm writing some stuff down on my side, Stephen, and, you know, this is one of the things that I love about conversations like this is that I feel like I'm one of the greatest students where I'm able to soak up the things that you're saying. Some of the things I just wrote down, set the example, lead with your actions, be vulnerable, be available, show compassion. And as I'm, I'm writing all these things down, I'm writing down the attributes of my buddies whose name is Stephen Ginsburg. And, you know, you're saying these are the ways that you lead other people, but I'm writing the description of as far as how you lead and who you are, which goes to show, I mean, you just said you can't say one thing and then go out the door and do a different thing. You have to have integrity and everything you've just described is who you are. 
And so for people who don't know you personally, I can vouch for you that these aren't just good characteristics as far as good, godly leaders who are worth following. This is how you lead. This is, this is your life. And so I, I think that's, it's awesome that you're, you're not just saying the right things that you read out of a book. You're leading by example. And as you're saying, lead by example, you're doing that very thing. So thank you for your example. Thank you for your leadership and your inspiration. Again, Matt, I appreciate that so much, especially coming from you. I just hold you in very, very high regard, as you know, so thank you. You're welcome. So a couple of questions, and, and I don't know if people will know these names or not, but are, are there other people that have shaped your life that are leaders that you would nudge people towards following or researching more, or any books that you're reading or authors or anything like that? Matt, it's not because of the present company I'm keeping. But I'd, I'd encourage them to look into what you're doing at your beautiful church. Mm. Um, I think your work and your path is remarkable. Um, I would, I, I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's not because this is time where you've engaged with me and I'm getting the privilege of having this moment with you. It's remarkable to watch what you're doing. I often tell people when I talk about our church, uh, I am not objective about daybreak. And I would encourage people to, you know, jump on daybreak and check out daybreak.com and, and look at some things that Pastor Jason Graves has done. And there's so many jewels in his work and his work with Anchored Man and his work at Daybreak. It's been a remarkable bar setter for myself in my walk. And he's, he's been a tremendous teacher for, for me and my family. Mm. Um, I, I did. I did gain a lot. You know, there's a lot of personal things in my life that have been tough issues. And fathers and sons have those. But I learned a lot watching my father as he built and ran our family's company. And he's a commercial real estate developer. And so, you know, my dad contributed greatly in some aspects where I truly saw him making the tough choices in leadership. And that, that really, that really helped tremendously. And, and, and I'll tell you something else, Matt, that has been these last two years has been one of the most important facets for me. I'm in a Bible study group that's a national group called BSS. Uh, Nicole has been in it for many years. These last two years have been my two years. And the BSF work, Bible Study Fellowship, and you can find that online, and you can find a local group wherever people are. Any Bible study is amazing. The BSF group has been remarkable for me because of the things I have been dealing with, going through, and building towards these last two years it's literally as if the studies were tailor-made for those things. So I wanted to really encourage people. That is just a great element and pathway for life and has mm -hmm. been just priceless for myself as I've continued to grow. And, and that's what I'm striving to do, brother. I want to keep growing. And that's, that's one of the things I think is admirable about watching you is knowing that you are a student for life. You know, you're, you're never complacent or apathetic about, okay, well, I've arrived. I want to keep growing and, and I want to keep improving. And I, I think you, uh, that's an, just another example of how you lead by example. While you're expecting other people around you to grow, as you were talking about earlier, you have high expectations, but at the same time, you have high expectations for yourself. How can people connect with you? You, you talked a lot about earlier in the conversation about your, your six bed residential facility. If people are interested yeah. in learning more about that or connecting with you, how do they do that? Easy on both ends. If if you jump on onto the web, Restore Detox Centers, you'll find it RestoreDetoxCenters.com. It's spelled exactly as it sounds. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, if you have any questions or anything at all, my email is really simple. It's it's my first name, Stephen, and and I'm a V Stephen, not a Ph 
Stephen. <laughs> and 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 again at Restore Detox Centers. It's one word dot com. And feel free to email me. I speak to people all the time that I don't know. Either they're referred to me, or they heard about me from someone, and they have a question, or they're in the middle of a tough situation. Email me, and then if it warrants a phone call, uh, I'm happy to, to connect with people through the phone. I'm I'm very accessible, and I'm always going to be. And there's nothing really special or different about me. I'm I'm on this walk. I'm an ordinary guy on this path, but but do not hesitate to reach out for yourself or any loved ones or anything at all that speaks to you where all of these conversations are concerned. Awesome. Well, if somebody's listening right now and they feel drawn towards you, Stephen, I, I hope that they actually do reach out. And one of the things that I'm confident of is that if somebody were to reach out, you'll you'll get back to them. You're not too good yeah. to talk to people. You you actually want to be available. And you mentioned that earlier, being available for people. And, and uh, I appreciate that. So, Stephen, man, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, I really value you and your friendship. And, you know, I know we're two states apart now. We're brothers uh, under the same king, and, uh, and and that will never change no matter how far apart we are. But as we finish up and wrap up our time, if there's one nugget, one step, one action that you can challenge people to take based on everything that you've shared, based on your, your heart, your experience, if you were going to leave people with one thing, what would that be? I'd tell them the, the most important truth that I know, that, that I serve and and I love, and I have been groomed and grown by a patient, nurturing, remarkable Heavenly Father who loves me, and I'd let them know most importantly that He loves them too. That's it. Yep. And through Christ's love, and through that, that is the truth, and through the truth, and through the Word, there is nothing else that is needed, and all things that are supposed to be will be accomplished. Amen, brother. I love yeah. you, brother, very much. And I want everyone to hear me say it because it is the truth. I love yeah. you. You are my brother in Christ. What a blessing to have this time with you. Well, we love you, too. And, uh, and no disclaimers needed any further, my friend. <laughs> you know, it, and Thank going so back, much. I mean, we're, we're kind of coming full circle back to the, from the beginning of this conversation. But that's one of the ways that you have inspired me, Stephen, is that I, after getting to know you, uh, I I felt, man, I'm a little more reserved with telling people how much I care for them. And I have found since I have gotten to know you, uh, I'm much more vocal about that. And, and now I, I tell people that I love them probably too prematurely now, too. Uh, and that's a direct reflection of your leadership and your inspiration in my life. I think that's uh, probably said about Jesus as well. He perhaps said he loved people too prematurely that wasn't deserved. But quite frankly, that's that's who Jesus is. He loves people not based on contingencies. He loves them because he cares for them and because, you know, we are God's created masterpiece. And so as Jesus has impacted you, you have impacted me. And hopefully I can continue and take some of those lessons that you've taught me, my friend, and, and help lead people towards Jesus as well. So thank you for your leadership in my life. Ah, brother, thank you, man. I appreciate you so much. Thanks again to Stephen Ginsburg, brother. I love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the kingdom and for helping people in California. May God bless you and your efforts moving forward. Next week, we have a guest who is one of my former pastors who has taught me a lot about how to prioritize people over positions. I'm excited for next week's episode so you can hear from Jason Graves, lead pastor of a church called Daybreak in San Diego. If you've missed any of our past episodes, go to leaderworthfollowing.com. And if you'd like to sponsor the show and help keep it on the air, you may also go to leaderworthfollowing.com. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Have a blessed week. Don't just be be a leader, be a leader worth following.
Thanks for listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. Produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. For more information, visit leaderworthfollowing.com.